Well, I'm certainly glad to be back with you. It seems like it's been a while, even though we just missed a week. Uh, I got to say again that just absolute and all about the last time we were together and how the Spirit moved. Uh, um, never in my wildest dreams would I have even come up with the wild and crazy idea that you preach an entire sermon on tithing and 11 people come forward to join the church. That's a God thing, and that's exciting to me because one of my prayers is, is that God would do such crazy, miraculous things that nobody can take credit for it, and that's definitely one of those crazy, miraculous things that nobody can take credit for, uh, and I am so grateful for that. I'm grateful to be part of a body of believers that's excited about making God's glory known to the nations, excited about growing closer to Him and learning how we can uh, figure out ways to share the gospel uh, in in people's lives so that their lives can be transformed. It's scary, though, when you think about that. It's, it's easy to come to church. It's easy to learn more. It's easy. But when it really comes to us going out there and, and speaking to people about spiritual things, it gets scary. And, and I'll be honest with you that every time I go out and I intentionally try to share the gospel, I'm nervous after all the years of doing it. And the reason is because there's a spiritual battle that takes place. There's a spiritual battle that is going on because the enemy knows that if we share the gospel that some are going to come to faith in Christ. And he doesn't want that to happen. And so he'll do everything that he can. But as we saw two weeks ago as we got together, making God's glory known to the nations is going to be costly. It's going to cost us of our treasures. You know, and as we saw then I hope you were encouraged that when you really look at us giving a tithe, the amount of money that our projections, and let me give you a little bit of information on how we came up with that number. I shared that with you last week, that our projections are that if everybody uh, that we would identify as a potential giver that comes regularly to Smith, it would be $1.68 million that we'd have come in a year. That's almost a million dollars more than we, have, we had come in last year. Now, let me just tell you how we came up with that number so you don't think I'm crazy, um, well, more crazy. Uh, we just took the average household income in James City County. We, we very conservatively looked at those who, who give throughout the year. Uh, we took out those who are clearly giving once or twice that are guests, and we came up with what we thought would be the average givers. Uh, with that income of the average income in James City County, and that's the number we came up with. Can you imagine what we could do to reach the loss with the gospel of Jesus Christ with $1.68 million? I mean, it's almost endless of what we could do with our servant evangelism, the teams that we could send to do things, the projects that we could do to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It would be absolutely exciting to see what God would do if we would do those things. And I don't know about you, but I'd sort of like to have that challenge, wouldn't you? It would be awesome to see what God does. And so as we continue, I want us to see that the gospel is also going to cost us something else. It's going to cost us of our time if we're going to be a part of God making his glory known to all the nations. It's going to cost a little bit of time. We can't just give our money and expect that God has called a special few to go do all the work, but God is calling all of us to be go part of making his glory known to all the nations. We've seen that over and over as we look at the Great Commission passages, that we are all commanded as God's children to go make disciples of all nations. You know, and I want us to continue to look at the gospel as we've gotten a chance to, to remember the gospel. 
We have to keep that in the context of the mission of the church, which is to spread the gospel to all the nations. If you'll turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 9 and verse 37, it's a passage that we're very familiar with, but even in our familiarity, the passion still remains true. Chapter 9 and verse 37, here's what it says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are not few because God hasn't called them. The workers are few because few have responded to the calling on their lives to make God's glory known to all the nations. The workers are few because we haven't gone forth to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going going to take, yes, our finances, but it's going to take our time so that we can make this good news known to everybody who is, is ready to listen. You know, so why on earth should we sacrifice our time for the sake of the gospel? Here's why. We showed this statistic two weeks ago because there's 4.18 billion people in this world that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to sacrifice our, our treasures and we need to sacrifice our time for the sake of the gospel going on. These are the people that have never had a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we could add to that number of those who have that have still yet to yield their life to Jesus Christ. 4.18 billion people who have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul said this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, look, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, both to the, the Jews and to the Greeks. We need to understand understand that you and I can't save people. God has called us to be his spokespersons, to to open up his word and to share the gospel with people so that they can hear it, but you and I don't have any power to save. I hope that actually frees you up. It used to be with all the training that I've had that I felt so compelled that if I started a conversation with somebody, it wasn't successful unless they confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so I would try harder. I would try to do the illustrations better. And I finally realized that, Dave, that's not on you. All you have to do, and here's simply all I do now. I say very little. I open up the book of Romans, and I go through a few verses in Romans. I don't even read them. I turn it to them and say, hey, would you read this verse for me? And they do. I have them read it out loud. And I said, what do you think that means? You know what? It's amazing. I don't have to say anything. The Spirit of God, as we'll see in a moment, the Spirit of God leads them into all truth. The Spirit of God helps them see what is truth. And all I do, if they don't quite get it the first time, I say, well, can you read that one more time? The most I've ever had to do that was three times. And that's only been twice. God has power to bring people to himself. Yet he's chosen us to be the ones to present the gospel, and that's all we need to do. As we go out there and we present the gospel to them, it is the power of God that saves. It's not us. It's not an evangelism strategy that we've learned that saves. It's the power of God through his word, through the Holy Spirit that brings people to himself. And so we need to understand that why do we share the gospel? Because there's that many people in the world that don't know. We need to share the gospel because it's the power of God that will bring people to himself. But there's something else that I have never heard spoken of in any evangelistic class or training I've ever been a part of. 
there's something that, when, that happens when we share the gospel that happens to us that is an incredible benefit to us, and that is that when we share our faith, that we gain a deeper understanding of Jesus Christ himself. Turn to the book of Philemon, if you will, and go to verse 6. Philemon is just one, one chapter. Um, so Philemon, verse 6. This is Paul, and this is his prayer to Philemon. He says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Jesus Christ. That as you share your faith, that it may become effective so that you have a full knowledge of every good thing in you. What and who is the producer of the good things in us? Jesus, right? The transformation of the Holy Spirit because of the gospel, that what Paul is saying is that when you go share the gospel, it is going to give you a knowledge that you cannot have apart from sharing the gospel that helps you understand things that you're not otherwise going to understand. There are great benefits to us as God's children as we go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others that stirs something up with inside of us that you don't get in a seminary class or a Sunday school class that does incredible things within us. I have long said this, and I, I believe I can really back this up spiritually, but yes, we need to have knowledge to go out and share the gospel, but how much? How much is enough before we go out and share the gospel? I would say just a simple understanding of the gospel that we received as believers in Christ is enough to go share the gospel. And as we go out and share the gospel, then what happens is something changes inside of us that gives us a deeper knowledge and a deeper wanting to understand more of the truths of God, and it brings us back into his word. And as we are sharing the gospel and people ask questions we may not have the answers for, it makes us come back and either study for ourselves or ask other people that may have a little bit more knowledge than us, say, I don't have a clue that the answer is this. Can you help me find it in God's word? And this hunger and thirst for righteousness comes from where? From sharing our faith. Have you ever heard that in the evangelism class? I haven't, but I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people that as we share our faith, God does something and he releases something special that comes inside of us that gives us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness unlike anything else. But you see, there's another key to sharing our faith besides understanding that it's the power of God of, to bring people to himself, to understanding that there's uh, something unlocked in us spiritually that is awesome. You know, but here's another key, and I don't think this is really talked about much either. Because it's the power of God that saves, we need to yield to that power. We need to yield to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can be sharing the gospel to the people he's already chosen for us to work with and to talk to. Now, let me just say this for a second. Let me, you know, I've said this over and over, and, and normally when I say this, I can almost hear, and I have actually heard on occasion, this big sigh of relief. Now, I've said this, that we're no longer going to go to do the door-to-door -door evangelism strategy we've done in the past. And most of the time, I hear a whew. But let me just say this. Door-to-door -door evangelism is 100% more effective than no evangelism at all, right? And so while it is no longer as effective as it used to be, it's still 100% more effective than not sharing the gospel at all. We have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ if people are going to hear. One point or 4.8, 1.8 billion people have never even heard, and they're not going to hear 
unless somebody shares the good news of Jesus Christ to them. We have got to figure out ways to share the gospel. And so we have come up with in Baptist Life all these different strategies to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. These outlines that you got to follow step by step by step. But you know what's missing in every one of them? Is how do we listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying in the midst of me sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Luke 12, verse 1 and or 11 and 12 says this. It says, look, even if they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, don't even be anxious about how you're going to defend your faith or what on earth you're even going to say because the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit, especially if you have a good understanding of God's Word, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your mind God's Word, and He will give you the words to say in the very moment that you need to be saying it. That's why it is important to have a knowledge of the Scriptures, so that because the Holy Spirit always does a couple different things. He always refers to God's Word and to Jesus Christ. He glorifies Christ and refers back to the Word of God. Always, always, always. And so if you don't have the Word of God hidden in your heart, he can't use it to refer back to it. But here's the thing. When we learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, he will lead us to the right people who is already prepared, the low-hanging fruit that are ready to hear the gospel. He will give us the words to say, the ways to initiate conversations that will lead right naturally into the gospel. And yet, if we're honest in Baptist circles, we have become so anti-charismatic that we've desensitized people to the Holy Spirit. We've almost educated the Holy Spirit out of Baptist life altogether. Let me unpack this just for a little bit more. Think about the expressions of worship in Baptist churches. I'm a good example of a Baptist worshiper, right? I sing like this. Some of you are pretty good at it, too. I've watched. Somebody raises their hands in worship and we're like, what do they do? And yes, we can fake. It's easy to fake genuine worship. But may I suggest this, that if you find yourself criticizing somebody else's worship, then you're probably not in tune to what the Holy Spirit's trying to communicate to you. We have so removed emotions out of worship because we don't want to become charismatic that I think we miss out the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. How many of you have ever, whether it's in a worship service singing songs, or somebody's preaching God's word, or have you just been in your own personal time with God, and ever, all the problems in life that you're going through, they disappear? You ever been there? Well, what is that? It's the Holy Spirit giving you what? Peace and joy in the midst of a storm. Those, those are linked to our emotions, are they not? And yet what we've done in a lot of Baptist churches is that we so have desensitized ourselves from the emotions, and I can understand that to a degree, that we have become desensitized to the Spirit's working and moving in our lives. And we never really can relate. We usually do this. Was, was that the Spirit or was that the, the enemy? 
You ever been there, had that question? I hear it all the time. Let me just be real honest. If it's drawing you back to the Word of God, guess who it is? It's the Holy Spirit. If it's causing confusion, guess who it is? It's the enemy. If it's drawing you to do and be obedient to God, guess who it is? It's the Holy Spirit. If it's causing you to doubt what the Word of God says, guess who it is? It's the enemy. You know, we get so easily deceived because we have become so desensitized to what the Spirit's wanting to do in our lives. Uh, you know, and we go, well, that might just be the coffee and the donuts that I had earlier. Well, you know what it might be? But it might be the Holy Spirit communicating with your spirit the truths of His Word. I think one of the keys to evangelism is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, being sensitive to people as we're passing by them, that God might be saying, I want you to go talk to that person. Let me just give you an example. I was out playing in the snow and, and doing some redneck stuff, and, and uh, I broke something, and I had to go to Walmart to get a, a fuel filter to fix it. And so it's in the middle of a snowstorm. I'm driving, and I, everything else is closed but Walmart. And so I go in there and I find a fuel filter and I'm coming out. And there's, you know, four inches of snow in the parking lot. And there's an older gentleman with two, two grocery bags in both hands walking a pair of penny loafers. And I drive by and I heard, pick them up. Well, you know what else I heard? It's like, no way. And I drove a little bit further. Pick them up. I got to get going. It's almost dark. I got to get this filter on. I got all these things. So I stop, I roll down the window, and I thought, well, I'll ask him. I said, sir, do you need a ride? I'm hoping him to say, nope. He, guess what he says? Yeah, I would love a ride. So he comes around, then here's what I do. I start doing the profiling. Start smelling to see if he's got alcohol, see if he's got any bulging stuff right on his hip, you know, see if he's carrying something. The whole time I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, you pick him up, you show him the love of Christ, and you have a spiritual conversation with him. Yet in my mind, I'm justifying all this stuff. You see, if we don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, we can miss opportunities like that. I did have an opportunity to talk to him. I didn't get to share the gospel, but we talked about spiritual things. In the five minutes, I had him in my car, encouraged him to go to church, and told him about our church. And Sometimes it's that simple. But how many of those people do we miss? Whether they're sitting in the cubicle next to yours at the office, whether they're walking down the street carrying a bag of groceries. Because we have so quenched the spirit in Baptist churches that we don't even know it's him speaking to us. God has given us the command to go and make disciples of all nations. The mission of this church is to reach and impact 200,000 people with the life-transforming gospel of Jesus Christ by 2020. Have you ever heard the story how we came up with 200,000? I'm about to tell you. So the elders and the task force were together, and we were praying over a, you know, a number, and, and uh, they had come up with a number, and they put it on a piece of paper, and they pushed it across the table at me, and you know what the number was? 20,000. I'm going, I just looked at it, added a zero on the end, and pushed it back across the table. They looked at it, and they're like, are you crazy? I said, no, I don't think so. Let me give you a little bit more vision why that number is really actually pretty small. They say that the average person, and we have about 400 people that come on a Sunday, give or take some, the average person has and knows about 600 people 
if you have Facebook, then this number is, is probably kind of small for you. That in an average week that we have the opportunity, the potential to cross paths and influence just with the sphere of influence in our lives individually, 600 people. So that's 240,000 potential people a week that are just represented by the people that are here today. They also say that in the average lifetime that you will cross paths with 80,000 different people in your lifetime that you actually cross paths with. So you do the math on that one and here's what you come up with. 200,000 people by the year 2020, not so big, is it? When we realize the amount of people that we have the opportunity to rub shoulders with and influence, whether it's through social media or just the people that we cross every single day, 200,000 people by the year 2020, maybe we can do it by next year. If we'll realize that God calls all of us to be his disciples and to make his glory known. Now, I understand that that's kind of scary. I understand that, you know what, maybe we don't know how to do that. But here's one thing I do know. There's no way I can do it. There's no way that our staff can do it. And we add the elders and the deacons to it. There's still no way that we can reach that many people by the year 2020. But I do know this, that if all of us will be intentional and ask God to lead us to people that he wants us to just build relationships with, and then he'll lead us to initiate conversations with them that'll lead to spiritual things, I'll tell you what, 200,000 people is nothing. 4.18 billion have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Making God's glory known is costly. It's going to cost our treasures. It's also going to cost our time. As we conclude the service this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to prayerfully consider sacrificing 2% of your time this year in a context that you're not already doing, I'm even going to suggest a context that's a little bit uncomfortable in making God's glory known to those who don't know. Now, for all you mathematicians, you've probably already figured out what 2% of your time is. I couldn't figure that out, so I had to go do the math. I actually had somebody else do it for me. Uh, that comes out to one week of your time a year. That's it, one week. All I'm asking for. I'm not even asking that you give one week in consecutive days. All I'm asking that is over the course of the year, are you willing to give 2% of your time for the sake of making God's glory known and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the context that you aren't normally in, whether it's you've never done anything and you're going to go on a construction project that we're going to help an international church build some buildings so that they can help make God's glory known, whether it's like some of our people did a week ago, they went to the two 7-Elevens in town and they gave away coffee so that they could tell people about the love of Jesus Christ, whether it's going and, and meeting the people in Upward or our VBS parents and you know going and sharing the love of Christ with them, whether it's going on a, a state missions trip or an international missions trip like some of our people are going to do, are you willing just to give 2% of your time for the sake of making God's glory known. If so, I'm going to ask that you come forward and just sign on these blue sheets that are up here in the front and say, you know, I, and I'm not saying that you're making a commitment to the thing that you check on there, but all I'm saying is, are you willing? Can you imagine 400 people giving one week of their time for making God's glory known? How many people will reach at the end of the year? It could be pretty insane. But one thing's for sure, if we don't share, they'll never hear, and they'll be condemned to hell. Let's pray.
Father, I am grateful for your gospel. I'm grateful for the impact that it's made in my life, the impact it's made in our life, Lord, the impact it's made in this church. But Lord, sometimes we get a little complacent with the gospel. Sometimes we forget what you're doing and, and have done in our lives and what you continue to do, and we forget the mission that you've given the church. We forget the call that you put on our lives to make your glory known by using the gifts and the talents that you've given each of us. And so God, as we come forward this morning and we offer up this last song of praise to you, God, I pray that your spirit would communicate with our spirit, that your spirit would move us in ways that we would understand it is most definitely your spirit as you lead us into the truth of your word and Lord, the specific ways that you want us to live that out, God, so that we can be a part of making your glory known to all those who have no idea. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.